Hallelujah. Well, well. It's good to know that we're still here. The rapture has not yet happened. <laughs> but uh, it could happen anytime. But I thank God for the media team that's been working and the praise and worship guys who are arranging things and, you know, all the effort that's going into it. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes activity, but God is faithful. He sees and He's the rewarder. I thank God we can do anything for Him in these very special last-day times, right? Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. We worship you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to your holy name. What a wonder that we are here on the earth in this time. Very strange, but at the same time, fascinating and interesting times. You chose us for such a time as this. We're grateful. Help us to act wisely, choose properly in this day and hour. We love you, great King. We worship you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mo shatele barasandari abala kasataya. Hallelujah, Lord. Se predivide vete kile chutu prasalita kamaya. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, they are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Faithful God, just to know that we wake up in your mercy, just to know that it's unto you we rejoice, for you made the day, you made the day for your glory and honor. So we choose to give you praise and we choose to give you glory for this is the day that you made. This is the day our Father made. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it. None can stop us from this rejoicing. Oh, none can hinder us from our rejoicing. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. Mashabala Babriabala Santa. 
We receive your strength now. Shama prala menderi apala santa. We call every need met, Lord. Shabubo kroti keli prasante kele sutoriende balakabarianta. Every need met, every oath destroyed, every burden removed. Manakoro soporabari kele boradabarianti. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Kramazemali barabarakandariya balakasta. Blessed be your holy name, blessed be your holy name, blessed be your holy name. We receive, Lord, we receive, we receive. Habashata babali karamasada babarianda. Thank you, Abba Father, thank you, Abba Father, thank you, Lord. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you for your mercy on the nations. Your revelation coming to them, O Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Where sin has abounded, grace much more. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. They will run into your grace. They will run into your mercy. They will receive. They will receive in this day and hour. We thank you for the church. We thank you for your people. Hallelujah, Lord. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Thank you, Great King. Thank you, Holy One. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, well, I believe that you are having a good time. Shall we just notice that the Lord has always been thinking about His family, pondering about how to have us in unhindered fellowship with Him, and whatever it would cost to bring that to pass, he would do it. And a great verse for that is Isaiah 43 and 25, where he says, I, even I, am he that blotted out thy transgressions. He says, for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. Amen. So this is our Father God, and he loves his family. And I don't think there's anyone who loves fellowship and family more than this God. And as we've been studying and believing and praying and interceding, I'm sure that more and more of that has been coming to you, that our Father loves His family, enjoys fellowship, and whatever we have in that area, in our own desire for fellowship, came from Him. Hallelujah. And so... He would pay the price necessary to make that happen. He would take away our sins and not remember them so that there would be unhindered fellowship between him and his children. That's how he thinks, and because we have his nature, that's how we ought to think. Amen. It's becoming more and more clear as we think uh, about his life put on the inside of us, in our spirit man, that we are actually just as he is in this world. And so uh, we can take off the brakes and let that nature run or spill over into the rest of our being through our soul and affect the man on the outside. So notice here God has priced fellowship with him so highly that he would remove anything that's a hindrance, anything that would stop it for his own sake because he enjoys his family, all to him. Everything goes back to him. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So we trust God that we'll be able to enjoy unhindered fellowship with him. 
And one of these days he's coming to take us back home so that what you started enjoying down here, you will actually have the complete manifestation of it. Praise God. We've been um, reading some scriptures out of Second Peter. And um, I'm going to go over there. Meantime, shall we just hear from Brother Sharat over there in Isaiah 43 and 25? Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. So we're getting the idea there that whatever it takes, whatever the price, he's willing to pay it so that he will have unhindered fellowship with us. Then as we look at Peter in Second Peter 1, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice one of the things uh, required was that we become the very righteousness of God. And our Savior, the Lord Jesus, made that possible so that we would have unhindered fellowship with the Father without any sense of guilt. And so, thank God we have obtained that precious faith which would allow us to believe that we are the very righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Verse 2 continues, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. There is a lot of knowledge and understanding that is coming to us in multiplied measures. And it goes on, According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life, and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. So we're called to this high place, this glorious place, this excellent place that belongs to our Father God, to fellowship with Him in that same realm. And notice that it's the knowledge and the understanding or the revelation that hinders us from enjoying that place that He has prepared for us. Amen. So we can see that studying His Word and being fed and meditating on these truths causes us to become more aware of uh, our place with Him. Hallelujah. Verse 4 continues, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Thank God that the precious promises of God, which are a direct uh, pointer to His integrity or His nature, His character, that's you know, going to change us as we begin to believe those promises. God and His character cannot be separated. Similarly, God and the Word cannot be separated. And therefore, everything about Him is based on the truth of His Word. And thank God He gave us this document in the Word. And today we are trusting the promises of God by which we have escaped the corruption that's in the world through all of its uh, rampant desires which are negative. Now when you turn that around to the positive side, as you hunger and thirst after fellowship and intimacy with God, 
wanting to enjoy that place that you were created for, uh, the promises become different. And you will definitely escape from the negative attraction and force of this fallen earth. The earth exercises this authority just on the physical senses, the five senses. And, uh, you know, you need to feel sorry for those that are in the world because that's all they know. You know, they are led just by what they feel, you know, all their senses of sight and smell, all the feelings, everything that can be weighed and figured out in the laboratory, that's all they know. And so you could say they are blind. The God of this world has kept them blinded from the revelation of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So let's observe there in Canada also the fourth verse uh, Second Peter chapter one verse four. Nu lokadalli durashin nunta the kettapani ke tapisi kundo. Daiva sabavadalli palnu kundo varag bekendu. Atnu atyanta mahatulla amulevada vaktanagalnu namige daipali sidane. Hallelujah. You notice the word he used there sounds like amulya, and I believe that that's you know how precious it is. These are. Very, very precious, exceeding great and precious promises. And they are backed by the throne of heaven. Hebrews 7.22 says that the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ is backing all of these words. And so, uh, um, you know, if you want to test it, you can just go off and try and see if you can pull down the throne of God. <laughs> You'll find out you're wasting your time. Notice also in First Peter chapter 1, down there in the 23rd verse, it says, We were born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Hallelujah. We were born again by the incorruptible seed of God's word. Notice that that means it cannot be corrupted, cannot be destroyed. That means there's a part of you that is born to live forever that cannot be corrupted. Praise God. That's the realm that our Father comes from. That's where you actually belong. And so one of these days, the mortal body is going to put on immortality or incorruption. Praise God. So that you can truly enjoy a full fellowship with the Father God and with heaven. Amen. But till then, we'll have to trust the incorruptible word to guide us through into those realities. Amen. Notice the next verse, which is verse 24, says, All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Hallelujah. So man's word, in comparison to the promises of God, is like grass. It just, you know, there for a few little evenings, and then it disappears. You never see it again. But the Word of God is forever, incorruptible. And you are born again of that same Word, incorruptible. Thank God that we are now taking more time to develop our thoughts and meditations on the incorruptible, eternal part of us, you know, our spirit man and the life and the promises and so on. Praise God. Let's hear... Um, Verse 23, also in Canada, 1 Peter 1 and 
ನಾಶವಾಗುವ ಬೀಜದಿಂದ ಉಂಟಾದದಲ್ಲ ನಾಶವಾಗದ ಬೀಜದಿಂದಲೇ ಉಂಟಾದದ್ದು ಅದು ದೇವರ ಸದಾ ಜೀವವುಳ್ಳ ವಾಕ್ಯದ ಮೂಲಕವಾಗಿ ಉಂಟಾಯಿತು and i'm going to read verse 9 just a few thoughts that we are setting up to give us um a nice foundation for our fellowship with the father and heaven amen 1 john 3:9 says whosoever is born of god does not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he's born of god now that means there's a part of you that is not even involved Uh, it does not give its approval when the man on the outside and all of its um, throes and desires are making you do things that are contrary to God's will. Can you imagine that on the inside, your spirit is not excited about it, doesn't want to be part of it, and is crying against it? Hallelujah. That's why he said that whoever is truly born of God cannot continue like that. committing sin praise god isn't that interesting so if we begin to think about that reality we can actually uh, shut off uh, the truth of the spirit man and say this is who i really am and the man on the outside is not going to rule me he's not going to dominate he's not going to call the shots in my life amen so let's hear that also in kannada 1 john 3 9 Hallelujah. Since he is born of God, since the incorruptible seed is in him, he cannot continue like that. So the truth about the matter is, the real factor that changes everything is realizing that you are born again. If you are truly born again, and you begin to realize that, you know whatever is happening on the outside whatever has been plaguing you from outside uh is going to change it has to change it cannot continue that's going to include sin sickness any negative thing any cursed thing anything that came down the natural adamic descent that can rule and dominate and bring you to subjection and trap you that does not have to be the case because you are born of incorruptible nature that does not bow down to the corruptible that is not to be dominated by the corruptible hallelujah you can see how as you meditate and prayerfully think about these things a fresh wind begins to raise you up you know like an, a brand new wind has come into your sails and is setting you off on another journey away from uh, the docks of carnality hallelujah and you're going down this wonderful breezy spree of the spirit hallelujah and jesus paid dearly for it the father made sure that whatever was necessary to make it happen he did it amen and he knew that we were created for this and nothing else would satisfy and so i'm glad we're beginning to contemplate these things amen Now we go back to Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 and notice there as we were saying there's a ascending uh, kind of staircase of steps and uh, it starts in verse 5 saying 
after all that was mentioned hitherto, he says, and besides this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge. Verse 6 says, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So there are these things that you have to step up onto and notice that it gradually ascends to this place called love, from brotherly love towards love. And we noticed already how Romans 15 said, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. So the whole matter is that you are saved and using your faith you step out, you become blessed, and then you become a blessing to others. So it's like a channel by which you partner with God to flow just like Him. And uh, any other thinking, no matter how prized it is to you, is not really from God. It's the five senses trying to dominate because that's all they know. It's a fallen world and they were trained in that realm. But the spirit man that gets stronger and stronger and dominates the senses is to be able to be blessed so that they are a blessing. Are you getting this? Aha, not that we are perfect, but we're moving in that direction. Praise God. Hmm, very interesting. And so, you know, um, you need to experience it for yourself to see the power of it. It's really interesting. I have a practice which um, I, I don't mind at all. I have a way that I prepare the fruits in the morning for the family and for my wife especially. We eat fruits, first of all. And then we have coffee. And so I usually try to make sure that, you know, I'm cutting all the fruits. And because it's by a human and not a machine, sometimes during the cutting process, the slices come out different sizes. Amen? But um, so I was just noticing one day, as I cut, I said, yes, this has come out bigger. And therefore, it's for my wife because I prefer her. And I kept it aside. And the next thing I cut, you know, the orange also went that way. Okay, that's for her too. And while I was saying it, I swallowed it up. <laughs> so I had all this goodwill. But still, you know, I was loaded in a way that I was selfish. And even though I said this is for her, I ate that one. So, you know, praise God. We're, we're working on it. We're trying. And uh, just, the fact that <laughs> just the fact that we have such an idea... It's a big deal because back in the day, it was different. I was like me, myself, me, I, nobody else. From there to now thinking, got to prefer the other person because I'm getting stronger. Wow, hallelujah. I think we're moving forward. Don't you think so? Amen. I'm sure I made you laugh there, but um, glory to God. Let's read uh, verse 6 also in Canada. Yes, Dharmaki Bhakti. And then verse 7 says, Godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. Let's read that also. Thank you. Amen. Verse 8 says, If these things be in you and abound. So the idea is to tip the scales. 
you know, not just be there, but to be in you and abound, they overflow, and so the scales are bending towards giving outwards towards the brother and reaching out in selfless love that does not want thanks even. Even if no thanks are given, it just keeps giving and giving until you cannot know even the height, the depth, the breadth, the length. You don't even know the dimensions of your giving anymore. Can you imagine that? So uh, we are praying prayers to fathom the volume of God's great love. I mean, unfathomable, unfathomable, unfathomable love. <laughs> to be fathomed, the length, the breadth, the depth, the height. And uh, you're going to be tripping away into a place where you're just giving and giving and giving, even if you don't hear a thank you. See? So um, that's the nature of the Father God who causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Hallelujah. So um, if these things be in you and abound, they make you. They make you. See, the, the abounding makes you a certain type of person. Let's hear verse 8 in Kannada, please. Amen. So the abounding is what we are concerned about. We are not uh, thinking about just managing to get along and just barely managing to say uh, something good or do something good and just to salve our conscience, but to lose our self in this selfless giving. See, that's the target. Hallelujah. And... Um, you may have heard of people who decided to start orphanages and trust God and and just be living like that. And then God just meeting their needs and testimonies and books are written about all that. But you know, that's just you or me or anyone else. It's just a matter of declaring to yourself that you're going to abound in these things and be a blessing on the earth rather than just... Uh, me, myself, and I, you know, which is just the senses ruling you and controlling and dominating. But we're learning more and more to look on the inside and live from that place. We are not going to be barren. We're not going to be in any way hindered from full fruitfulness. Amen? There's a fruitful life uh, which is based on the love of God. You know, otherwise you're just making sounds. You can give all you have to the poor and not have love, and you got nothing out of it. See, so we want to do it right so that we are not barren and we are fruitful and we now have a different kind of entrance into the kingdom of God. Amen? He says, you will remember your sins are gone. You are purged from your sins. Your calling and election is made sure. And verse 11 says, so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is an everlasting kingdom coming, and uh, you're already a part of it, but you're going to see it, and you're going to have an entrance and a welcome committee waiting for you. Praise God. So get ready. This is all in preparation for it. We don't want to be shocked and find out that, man, I, I really was not ready for this kind of entrance. Amen? So more study along these lines, more thoughts about them affects us, and we're going to give all diligence so that we can come forth fruitful and not be barren 
not be unfruitful, but to be able to come into the kingdom in a different way. Hallelujah. Shall we hear verse 11 also in Canada, please? Amen. So we thank God that you and I are preparing ourselves for that and it's coming soon, isn't it? How many of you can tell it's really coming soon? Hallelujah. Everything seems to be clear. Nobody can deny the facts that we're in the last of the very last. And so we should be concerned about these things. If if there's any time we should be concerned about these things, it's right now. So an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Praise God. So Peter knew it so well, was so conscious of it, that he said, I was going to remind the church, remind the people of God. I would not be negligent to remind you constantly. And he said, I know I'm going to pass on, but I'm going to make sure that this is going to be reminding you again and again. He says, even if you be established in this present truth. See, the thing is, um, even if you're a really good church and is established in the church truth, the truth about the church age and the reality of the life of God imparted into your spirit and your fellowship with heaven, you know, all these amazing realities of the greater one living inside you that you're no longer a servant and crawling along to meet God or anything like that. You're so sure about the church truths. He says, still, I'm going to keep reminding you because I know how powerful this is and it's going to affect your entrance into heaven. That means that day is a very significant day. That day of meeting Jesus is going to be everything you're looking forward to. Hallelujah. My God, we better be ready for that. All our efforts are for that. He has come to give us life, life more abundantly to the full until it overflows. Amen. So there is always overflow in God. Notice good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Notice that he said that um, the height, the depth, the breadth, the length, the love that passeth knowledge. So it's going to be beyond your sense knowledge. Your senses have never seen anything like it. They're going to be shocked. I'm telling you. And as you start walking in it and stepping out into it, your senses will be like, what are you doing? Are you? Have you lost your mind? And you'll have to say, yes, I have. I've lost my mind. I've got the mind of Christ. Amen. So it just passes all kinds of sensual knowledge and whatever we've learned in the realm of knowledge. This is going to be ultimate. Hallelujah. So it's going to be something that you make sure that it flows out of you and you need to start stepping out because he could come tonight. Amen. At least you can start saying it. And whatever you have in your life, you can begin to release it in prayers, in blessing people and trying to be a benefit to somebody else. Hallelujah. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. He says, so that you have unto every good work. You see, it's not just for you alone. That's why you need to believe for more than enough. Hallelujah. That's why all these promises are so vital. Because if you don't have, and you don't know how to tap into more than enough, how are you going to help somebody else? Amen. So what happens is you learn to receive, and then you begin to have a project 
of letting it flow through you. Amen. And then you notice how it increases. As your desire for it increases, all things become possible. Let's go now and look at um, Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. And uh, you remember this was the time when the angel appeared to uh, Mary, the virgin. And she was initially asking, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? And then the angel said, in verse 35, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born in thee shall be called the Son of God. And then he talks about her cousin Elizabeth also being um, pregnant. Then finally said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Praise God. There are other versions that say, No word of God is without power. In other words, God has said it, God can back it. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And after that, she didn't say anything. I mean, I don't know if she read all and heard all the messages we have heard. But this little lady here just said, Fine, be it unto me then according to thy word. And that simple childlike faith gave us, you know, the virgin conception. Praise God. And uh, Jesus was born into this earth. Hallelujah. So uh, sometimes we make it too complicated. We just need to say, okay, whatever you said, I believe your power will bring it to pass. The Most High, the Limitless God will overshadow and bring everything else to pass. Hallelujah. He's bigger. He's more than enough. So let's not forget these realities. Then we add to that virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, or self-control, then godliness, brotherly kindness, and then this great love. So we're stepping out like that and adding on, you see. So maybe you should pick a target brother and then begin to look at how to reach out to that target brother in brotherly kindness, you know, and uh, try to be the representative of God on the earth. Be a model citizen. Amen. So if anybody wants to see a good citizen, they should look at you. The only thing is they can't stop you from preaching. That's when things change, right? Hallelujah. So let's continue today as we go down the road there. I'm going to look at First John chapter 3, verse 2. We can even start from verse 1. It's, it's a blessing. Beloved, or behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew not Him. And then verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So whether you're male or female, you know that God's talking about our spirit. It means you have the mature place in God to handle the inheritance. Now, beloved, praise God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. One day you're going to see Him face to face. Till then, you're going to have to depend on the Word of God to paint that picture of who He is and enjoy a fellowship based on the Word. Amen? Looking forward to the day when you see Him as He is. 
So the deeper you enjoy the word and fellowship with the word, is the deeper your interaction with him as a person actually is. It's based on the integrity of that word that you are stepping out. So you're not just off there in your mind doing things. You're sticking with what the word said. Hallelujah. And so you're fellowshipping with him. Not necessarily coming before him with a prayer request. Eventually you will because you're thinking about being a blessing to others. But here you're trying to say, I came to meet you. I want to know you. I really would like to spend time with you. And you'll be amazed as you step out in that direction. Hours can go. Hours and hours. And uh, it'll be a different life. And the Bible has told us to do that. Verse 3 continues, Every man that has this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. Now that's where we're going. Look at verse 2, please, also with me in Canada. 1 John 3, 2. Hallelujah. That's the truth, isn't it? Then he goes on, every man that has this hope in himself. What's that hope? That hope is that I'm going to see him. I'm looking forward to seeing him. And oh, how I want to see him. How I want to enjoy the reality and manifestation of this Lord precious Jesus. Amen? He said, if you have that hope in you, it will purify you. It's a purifying hope. Or in other words, it will wean you off the natural man and the five senses. You will know that you cannot trust them. So you, you don't care what is going on outside. It doesn't matter what the news is saying. It doesn't matter what, you know, the weather and the conditions and whatever is going on out there. You don't really have to pay attention to it. Maybe you just needed to know, can I go out or come back or whatever. You know, just basic stuff. But other than that, um, you are just enjoying the reality of your fellowship with Him so much that um, you are living away from that outward man and those five senses. And that's what you would call being pure, being set apart, you know. You are living from heaven. You are living from the spirit man outwards. And uh, praise God, we're not saying that uh, watching a movie is wrong or reading a book is wrong. It's just that you will find out, you know, you, you are not moved towards too much vanity. You don't want to waste too much time. You want to um, put more time into this person that you love so much who has poured all of his benefits into you paid the price for you to enjoy Him. It just pans out like that. You see, not that we have uh, our liberties curtailed in any way. We are free. He has set us free. And legitimately, we are just saying, Lord, I'm enjoying you so much. And that's all. Hallelujah. You know, not a legalistic thing at all. It's just out of the enjoyment of that fellowship and reality that I am his son and I am in his image in his likeness in his class and that preciousness of it all is uh, driving you in that direction it's nothing else hallelujah it's not that somebody's over your shoulder telling you this that and the other you're not forcing you to do anything 
praise God. Yeah, so that's what we're pondering about today. And um, so we come to some uh, truths about God that maybe are a little hard. And you say, ah, just tell me anyway. You, you've been telling us slightly hard things now and then. So bring it on. Well, let's see. After we read this in Canada, 1 John 3, 3. Hallelujah. So notice that I'm wearing different colors. I have a ring. In fact, um, you know, I have a soul patch. I have all of these things that maybe are technically not very pure according to people's religious ideas, you know, and all that. But my spirit man is just like the Almighty God. Hallelujah. And uh, praise God. That's really where we should be living from. And that's really where it counts. And one of these days we're going to see Him face to face. And nothing in all of creation is going to compare with that moment. Hallelujah. And I'm looking forward to the church, the brethren as a whole, having an amazing entrance into the kingdom. Amen. But anytime I want to uh, read, for instance, a report sheet about the church, I go to the book of Revelations and I get a few, um, you know, awakenings there. And I'm like, wow, this is how you see the church. Hmm, okay. So last week we saw Revelation 3 and we're saying, you don't have to be scared into the next millennium. Your name is not going to be taken out of the book of life per se. You remember? Because that was one major problem that your name could be taken out of the book of life. But then if you compare it to Revelation 22, um, i like us to go down there. And notice there it says that um, verse 19, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, A, and B, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So, this is also an additional thought, that here your name is taken out of the book, and then you're taken away from the holy city also. In the other case, the name in quote was taken out of the book. See, so it's definitely not about losing your salvation he's talking about. But it's another book where things that are living in his presence are recorded. Churches that are living. Not that they were living at some time and then they began to die off. But they maintained and they strengthened the things that were ready to die off. Are you getting this? So I don't think that you should be scared that your name is going to come out of eternal life and you're going to hell or any such thing. But rather you should have a healthy concern that your name is also in the, in the book of works and as a living church, as a living person, not just having a name without any proof in actual uh, deeds of righteousness. Notice that in uh, the book of Revelation 19, which we had quoted there um, last Wednesday, I believe it was in the seventh verse or so. Yeah. Verse 
Yeah, verse 8, the 8th verse. It says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Saints are already righteous, right? They're called saints. So what does it mean, righteousness of the saints? It means the deeds of righteousness. Hallelujah. So there is a book where the deeds of righteousness are noted. And um, that's known as a living church, a living individual, because their deeds are accomplished. What they were supposed to do, what we were created unto, we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so our concern is that we must accomplish these things. And I believe a healthy desire to do them, A, B, praying in the Spirit, trying to be open, to step up and be a blessing to others, all these things will help us to have the saints clothed in the deeds of righteousness. Amen? So that's where we were last week. Now let's step back again and see something else. You know, sometimes it's hard to imagine there's the same Jesus, the tender Jesus that's talking to you because of the way he seems to be speaking to the church over in Revelation in the first few chapters. You wonder if this is the loving one who paid the price. But it's just that you need to see all the facets of this Jesus. You know, he's real. He loves us intensely. Oh, he wants all this for us because he knows When you see him in that condition, you will have no regret. He won't have to wipe your tears. Otherwise, it will be a great reunion, but there will be tears. You'll be like, oh, I wish I knew you better while I was down. I wish I had done what I was supposed to. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he knows that. And he doesn't like that feeling. He feels when you feel that way. And he wants to make sure that it is settled down here before you come. Oh yes, that sounds like him. Doesn't it sound like him? So it's better not to read it any other way. Because that's the way it means. And it's a dangerous thing to take things out of the book when that's not what God means. They are interpreted in a certain way and they should be understood in that way. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go to the second chapter of Revelation and look at another church. Hmm. It's a very interesting uh, line there again and every time you feel excited you can go read it. (laughs) It'll help. (laughs) And I'm going to start reading from verse 18. And he says, And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write these things, said the Son of God, who has his eyes like unto a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. So by now you're familiar with that picture. Let's hear it in Canada, please. Thank you, Brother Sharat. Amen. So this is the one we're dealing with. Um, John was familiar with him in a certain way. John was totally shocked when he saw him in this way. And on the road to Emmaus, he was in another way. And in the garden, he was in another way. So Jesus has this morph kind of thing. So how will you know it's Jesus? It has to be based on the Word. Are you getting this? 
If you're going to go by what you see outside, whew, it could be tricky. So it's better that we New Testament saints, like 2,000-year-old saints, ought to know better than a lot of the others who went ahead of us, you know. I mean, we have the maximum uh, time to receive revelation, don't you think so? And I believe uh, revelation is progressive. And as time goes, it increases and you get more. So if we are the ones chosen for the last days, we are the ones who should have the most revelation, don't you think so? Hallelujah. So with that kind of attitude, let's uh, look at him and say, hmm, all right, I get I better get used to this person whose eyes are like fire, you know, um, with the pure fire and the desire and holy love, you know, passion, all of that just through the eyes, just looking at you. Wow, praise God. That's quite something, right? And then he talks about his shoes, fine brass, and, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad we have all these helps in Greek and all that to study especially. So we must be more of revelation people in the last days with all of this stuff available, right? But uh, one thing that struck me was when I pressed the Greek concordance there of the Hebrew, I'm sorry, Strong's, uh, the word there was like chalk, you know, uh, chalk, C-H-A-L-K, and then it had... Lebanon. So it was Chaka Lebanon. Okay. And then when I looked at it, it was made of two things. One was the Chaka part and the other was the Lebanon. And Lebanon was frankincense. And chalk was brass. Can you imagine shoes made out of uh, frankincense and brass mixed together? How do they mix? Frankincense is incense. And you mix it in with brass, how do you think that combo will be? What alloy is that? So what he meant by that was, of course, you know, frankincense was used in worship and all of that, in prayer. And so his shoes are prayer also inside the shoes, okay? And then the brass, of course, is about a certain aspect of judgment. So his judgment is based on intense prayer for the person that he's going to judge. So he's not interested in having a sad judgment, a messed up judgment. He's praying for the person that he's going to judge, that the person will be ready and make adjustments. That sounds like him, right? Not, I will come and judge you. I will come and destroy you. Not that kind of stuff. Are you getting it? No, but this is a different kind of person. Oh, hallelujah. Let, let's hear that in um, <laughs> Canada, please. Verse uh, 18 of Revelation 2. Praise God. So I'm, I'm expecting a God who loves me so much, is praying for me, and if he, uh, there's some mistake in my life, there's some part that I'm messing up, he really wants me to change. And if I change, praise God, it's going to be a different kind of meeting and a different kind of talk. So verse 19 says, I know thy works and thy love and thy service and faith 
and thy patience. Ooh, it's a good church. These guys are all about it. They've got the works. They've got the love. They've got the service. You know, thank God there are people in the church that serve others. You know, go out of their way during this time, this period of the um, plague and all out there. A lot of people were trying to help others. And this was that kind of church, you know, service. A lot of service going on, helping people. Faith, they were a faith church. They were a patient church. Wow. You see? And he said, I know your works. I know all of those things. This, this person knows everything. And he really notes those things. Don't forget. He's a God who observes all those things. So sometimes when you think, I don't know if anybody notices, the one with the eyes like fire notices them. And he makes a note of them. And he has books for all of these things. So please don't be shaken. I know the natural sense realm will say, I don't know if anybody notices what I'm doing. Why is it just me? Isn't there anybody else? Blah, 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 blah. All those things are there. I mean, we all go through these things, you know. Why does it have to be me? Why can't I eat the big piece? Because you're strong. <laughs> Why do you always have to give? Why do you always have to be the guy that does stuff? Because you're supposed to be strong. Amen. And you see, the person who asked all those questions was all about me, me, me. You see, that's not your real nature. That's the, the flesh. That's the five senses which have been trained to self-preservation. They've been loaded with self-preservation. And they, from the get-go, they're all about, Meh, it's mine. <laughs> and here we are with the eternal life, nature of God on the inside of us, just like He is, same nature, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, given unto us, eternal life. You believe in the name of Jesus, you know that you have eternal life. We believers have this eternal life on the inside of us, but still the senses talk to us, and we're learning to say, hey, that's just the selfish five senses talking again. Amen? And He said this were was a good church and they did all these things and he said I noticed your faith your love your service your patience I have noticed your works you guys are great guys he said uh, and the last of the works were more than the first in other words they were not you know trailing away that as time went like the new wine at the end you know that was the miracle isn't it the new wine at the end so these guys were like that the better works were even later on. They did not start out nicely and then trail off to less and less and less. But they actually grew in a way that as they grew and matured in the church, they did more. They were a happening church. Praise God. He said, I noticed all of that. Verse 20, he says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Well, that's Jesus. I mean, if he did not have something, then... He wouldn't be Jesus, right? So we think uh, he's never satisfied. The point is he wants you to have a glorious homecoming. That's the point. You need to get that. He wants you to get the maximum. Hallelujah. It's not for any other reason that he's trying to, you know, clarify some things. And this is written to the whole church. And we need to get familiar with this. You know, I know for myself that we started diving into these things not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago. We just even started reading it because I needed to be sure what was going on here. 
Because, you know, there's one side in the church today where they never talk about such things. It's like, no, there's no condemnation. No, you can't talk to me. Of course there's no condemnation, but there is correction. And anytime it becomes correction, oh no, uh, that's, uh, you're always trying to correct and, and uh, you know, you're always finding fault and this guy is always like, no, this is Jesus. And he connects that to being a good father. He says, if your father did not correct you, does your father really care about you? Is the question. Maybe he doesn't care. Or maybe he cares so much, but he knows you can't handle it, so he doesn't tell you anything. And he's waiting for you to grow up and hear something finally. So you always notice there's a prayer at the end. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. He's, Lord, help me to hear. Is the prayer. You know? And so I believe we've been praying uh, for more than two years, nonstop certain prayers every week, maybe even every single day. And if those prayers are real, then that's why we're coming down this path. That must be the reason why we're actually looking at things like this, because we want to defer and choose properly the excellent things of highest value, things of the love of God, things of the revelation of what he paid for in his death, burial, and resurrection, and what is pleasing in his sight. All of those prayers, if you start weaving them together, they, they make a kind of tapestry of this desire coming out more clearly. Can you see that? So this is the person who was hearing all of those prayers and saying, all right, you know what? I'm coming soon. So guys, if you want to know anything, this is a good time to know. He said, I've seen all of your works. I know your faith. I know your, your love. I know your service. I know what you've been through, your patience, what you've endured. I know how you chose wisdom when everything looked messed up, how you decided to stick with the love of God. I know everything. And he says, some of you have done better than many others. Praise God. It's there. It's all in his memory. He has not forgotten these things. He says, but still, I don't mind if you make these adjustments. I believe there are adjustments in our lives, right? Don't you think so? Till we meet him face to face, there's always an adjustment. There's always instruction in righteousness. There's always correction. You know, there's always room for improvement till we meet him. So that when we meet him, ah, it's hilarious. It's beyond anything. And it's like, ah, it was all worth it, right? Yeah. I mean, man, it's not like somebody's trying to stab our backs and take us out of the race. No. It's somebody in front of us saying, Look at me. I have the plan, the good plan for you. My plans are good, not evil. To give you an expected end so that you don't lose the expectation, so that you don't lose any of your reward. You get the full reward. You get exactly what you thought oh, and more. Hallelujah. So he's saying, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because. Then he talks about woman Jezebel, calls herself a prophetess, teach to seduce fornication, blah, blah, uh, man, heavy stuff, 21, and gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into the bed with them that commit adultery, so on and so forth, tribulation, ooh, heavy, heavy, heavy. But what I want you to notice here is that he has given space to repent. Did you notice that? 
21. And I gave her space to repent. So he gives everybody space to repent. Remember, we read last Wednesday, if you make the adjustments, awesome. Otherwise, I will come and deal with it myself. Hmm, what do you prefer? I think we should just make the adjustments ourselves. Amen? Space is given to us. There's a time wherein we must make the adjustment. And if you know there's anything in your life that you need to adjust, do it while the time is available. Praise God. Don't wait. Don't push it. Don't uh, procrastinate. Don't move it to the next day. Deal with it, you know. Uh-huh. Because He doesn't want you to have any other report. He doesn't want you to lose any reward. Amen? Now, what do you think? Should we go further into this? I think it's better. Whatever news has to be known, let's know it now, right? Instead of getting there and then finding out. Let's look at a story here in First Samuel. You can see that I'm, I'm sold out to good news. You may have figured that out by now. I'm really into good news. But, um, yeah, let's hear um, Revelation 2.21 in Canada, please. Amen. So that, that's the exact word there. Gave them time to change their mind. Repent means to change the mind. It doesn't mean just cry. It means change. Hallelujah. And it's not an Obama campaign thing. Make the change. No, it's real. We, we, we definitely want to make the change before Jesus. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to go look at a certain story there in the Old Testament, which is in 1 Samuel, 2nd chapter. You may remember a certain man called Eli and his sons, and Samuel, the little guy, uh, grew up under them. Remember? Yeah, so we're, we're back in that story. And so, um, verse 11, it goes, And Elkanah went to Ramah, to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. So this family is not the greatest family, and they are priests. Notice the connection here. The seven churches had seven pastors, and Revelation called them um, stars and messengers. And so... The word for messenger and angel are the same, so people may think they're angels. But if you remember, the message of the gospel was given to us to preach, not to angels. If we don't preach it, the authority on the earth is given to sons of men. Nobody else can preach it. And Paul said also in Galatians 1, in the ninth verse, you remember, he said, If we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. So the truth is, the word is what is more preeminent to any so-called other interpretation. And the word messenger is pastor because he's talking to the heads of those churches, not to anybody else. First of all, he's talking to the head of the church who must receive it because he has ears to hear and then implement it in his own life and then teach it to the church. Then it ministers. 
And so um, that has to be understood. Now, this is a case of a similar story, and here they are priests again. Did you notice? So the responsibility, number one, comes on the pastor. So it's on my head, first of all. If God has to deal with anything, he's going to deal with me first. So I better be on the level myself. Because he said to them that he was going to come and deal with them. And with his eyes and his special shoes, you know. And you may not like those shoes. But thank God there's a prayer mixed in the shoelaces and all that. Hallelujah. So it's a little bit different. And you know, um, it's important. All right. So this is again some so-called ministry folks. Eli, priest here. OT priest with sons. And then little guy who's supposed to be another prophet coming to Israel, growing up there. Isn't that interesting that God would send you to a certain kind of prophet or priest that's not maybe perfect, but will make you stay there and grow up there and maybe learn a few things? Hmm? Interesting, right? Verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. Hmm, that means sons of Mr. D. <laughs> the sons of Eli were such. They knew not the Lord. Now this is the priest's own sons who did not know the Lord. I mean, man, that's not a good testimony. Hallelujah. Verse 13 says, And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offers a sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething or with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, stuck it into the pan or kettle, cauldron, pot, flesh hook, etc. You can read all that. What he's saying here is that when they brought the offerings, they would be boiled. Um, that was how it was arranged. The offerings were supposed to be like that. But these guys would come and take it before the boiling and saying, we just want that. We don't like boiled. We don't like boiled meat all the time. We like to roast ours too. But this is the way it's done, man. You know, in the Old Testament, the way it was done was very important. So there was a three-pronged thing that they would go and rake through. You know, only after the boiling, after all the fat was melted, only then would the priest be given some to eat. But these boys would just go and say, give us the meat right now. Verse 15, also before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said unto the man that sacrificed, give us flesh to cast for the priest. He will not have sodden flesh. I don't want curry. I want roast. So they had you know, all of these things going on. They were breaking certain protocol of Old Testament rituals. And God noticed all these things. Verse 16, If any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desires, then he would answer him. They would blast them. He say, You shall give it to me now. If not, I will take it by force. They were those kind of guys. Praise God. Now, I don't want to rake brother over the coals again, leaving him there. But let's just see if we can read verse uh, 12 in Canada, please. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, whatever you can gain from that, you can see. 
And we read up to verse 17, Wherefore the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Let's see that also in Kannada, please. Hallelujah. God noticed it. It really bugged him. Are you getting this? And God notices things. He gets bugged. But he likes to see if people are just within a certain time framework. He will let you know. He will somehow get to speak to you. You know, you need to have ears to hear. Notice the difference, verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. What a kutin, wearing small linen ephod. Can you imagine him? Praise God. Let's hear that in verse 18. See, so it was possible for him to grow meanwhile. At the same time, he learned how to minister to the Lord, wearing the required garments, as a kuti priest coming up, you know, praise God. And so it's like that. But God gave them time. And by chapter 4, looks like they didn't adjust. And, um, you know, they had to face it. So if you turn over to chapter 4, it says there, verse 11, The ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Those two guys died. The ark was lost. And um, there was a guy from Benjamin who escaped and came to tell. And uh, he ran into Eli, who was quite old, verse 13. And when he came... Lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. When the man came unto the city and told it all, they cried out. When Eli heard, verse 14, the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth this noise and tumult? And the man came hastily and told Eli. Eli was 98, almost 100 years old, verse 15 says. And his eyes were dim, he could not see. When the man told Eli, verse 16 says, you know, he got so blown, continues to speak the whole story, and he said, your son Phineas and Hophni are dead. Verse 18 says, it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from his seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died, for he was an old man, and heavy. He was a little bit of a big guy. And that was it. They lost the ark, lost his sons, and he did not enjoy, he did not die in a good way either. Amen. So, within a space that is given to each one, you know, we must be able to tell our uh, systems within us that are nurtured by the Word of God, our senses should be able to pick up when we have time to adjust and don't just overlook adjustments you know so when god is speaking you know just do your best to listen in so that you don't uh, miss the adjustment let's go back to revelation 2 verse 21 gave her space to repent of uh, and she repented not so this uh, particular person did not repent 
And then he says, I'm going to cast her into a bed. They're going to great tribulation, except they repent. So he's still saying, you can still repent. See, that's 22. I will kill all her children with death. Can you imagine God talking like that? Have you ever heard Jesus saying, I will kill in the New Testament? See, if the adjustment is not made, then you see another side of Jesus. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am, notice that, he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Very interesting, isn't it? Let's hear 23 in Canada. Verse 23. Revelation uh, 2, 23, sorry. So, yes, please. So what he's saying at the end there says, whatever you did, you reap it. It's the law of sowing and reaping. He gives you a chance to uh, adjust in mercy. And if one doesn't, then whatever they sowed, they reap. And sometimes it leads to death. And that's the hard part, right? And then he goes on, verse 24. But I say unto you, unto you I say, notice, unto the rest in that same place in that same church, Thyatria, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have already, hold fast till I come. In other words, he knew that there were others who did not go with that kind of wrong teaching. It was basically the teaching of the Nicolaitans also. They didn't accept it, even though they were in the same church. You know, So you can have in a church people who don't agree with the evil, just like the little guy who was growing up in Eli's house. He didn't know and agree with those things. Praise God. And uh, you know, if, if they are just wonderful, if they don't, they're going to face the action. Whatever they sowed, they will reap. This is the person that we are dealing with. So it's nice to know, right? I mean, who are you really dealing with? You know, we need to know the reality. He says, that which you have already, hold fast till I come. In other words, strengthen yourself. Whatever you are supposed to dominate and rule and have dominion over, don't lose it. Build your faith. Receive your benefits. Stand. You know, don't be washed away. Hold fast because there's an enemy trying to steal. Hold fast. Till I come. That means you can hold fast till he comes. Are you, are you seeing that? It is possible to hold fast till Jesus comes. Praise God. And then he continues in 26. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, him will I give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. 
Notice, as the vessels of a porter shall they be broken to shivers, I will give him the morning star. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Hallelujah. So I, I must hear that in Canada also it would be good. Um, verse 24. Praise God. Did you notice there that he said, I will not put any other burden on your neck? So there is a burden, there is some things to do, there is a commitment there, you know, and Jesus doesn't want it to be some unnecessary type. He says, there's a real one that you hold fast to, that you do not shed, that you continue, that you develop, that you mature, you do the right thing. You know, you're committed. Praise God. So it's not a lackadaisical kind of life where you just do what you feel like doing. There are some things that are expected and we should develop, we should grow, we should press into it, we should move forward because Jesus takes notes and Jesus is honestly perfect in all of his ways. All his judgments are true. His word is tried. He's perfect and he loves us perfectly. And it's not for any other reason but because he loves us and wants to give us a wonderful entrance into that kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, if you listen up till now, you will notice that that sounds like Jesus. Right? He's not mamby-pamby. You know, he's not like just, you know, one floppy guy and all that. He's, he's on the level. He loves us deeply, passionately. And he wants us to actually enjoy and come before him without losing any reward, having a blast. He doesn't want us to have any regrets at all. That's the one that we are talking about, you see. So as you begin to major on these realities, I do believe that you will see a different lifestyle. You will see a different target. You will see a different kind of resolution, you know, a resolve. I want to do the right thing. That's, that's excellency. That's going for the high things. Amen? Notice in verse 26, he says, He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, him will I give power over the nations. So he expects us to stay in victory to the end. So I'm not going to go into next week and next month. I'm just going to deal with one day at a time. I believe it's safe to maintain victory on a daily basis. And if you mess up in any place, quickly get in line. You know, and get your focus upright again. Hallelujah. I believe that um, God is working in us both to will and to do His good pleasure. I've got His nature. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've got the greater one. I've got someone working in me both to will and do His good pleasure. Wow. Praise God. I think this is doable. I believe we can walk in it. He says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. The born again person is already a winner. Hallelujah. And so we have to say it, we'll have to make a, some avenue to be a blessing and look outward to be able to say, I've done some things. You know, practically, there must be some deeds that have been done. You know, they must translate into works also. 
that were done. And you did it out of love. You did it out of allegiance to Jesus, the head of the church. You did all things open before him because he's the one that we have to deal with in the end. With such thinking, with fear and trembling, amen, with um, reverence towards him, we decide to step out and do these things so that our ears are open, our hearts are open. Anytime he says something, we make the adjustment. We're always listening, amen, so that we can come home and say, yes, I believe I did all I could do. And I believe the Holy Spirit helped me. And Lord Jesus, here I am, finally. Hallelujah. And that will be a wonderful day. Don't you think so? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him for a minute. Hallelujah. Nenjo, brenjo, flenti, plaze, crate, kale, posatoro. Oh, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with your glory. The whole earth is filled with your glory. We worship him who sits on the throne, out of which proceeds lightnings, thunders, and many voices. Behind you is that emerald-like rainbow. We worship you. And the glassy sea like crystal. We worship you, our Father. And at your right hand, the precious Lord Jesus. Oh, with the marks of the covenant. Your brow that was wounded with that crown of thorns. So that our soul and our mind would be delivered. That we could live in peace. We worship you. Your beard that was plucked out. For us, you were tormented. We worship you. Your side that was punctured. We worship you. The nail-scarred hands and feet. We worship you. The tortured body. We worship you. We worship you. Lamb of God. We worship you. Our eldest brother. Who brought us home. Who brought us as sons who went to hell for us in the spirit realm, paid the price for us. Precious Lord, we worship you. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Oh, when the last shekel of, of heavenly justice was paid, where it was necessary that our sins and our redemption was accomplished, then you rose, came out of there and entered your body. By the power of the Holy Ghost, quickened and came out. We worship you. We worship you. We bless you for what you have done. And we thank you that you've invited us to come boldly to the same throne, to sit on that throne, to fellowship with Abba Father, fellowship with the Son, through the Word, through the Holy Ghost who gave us access. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We are forever grateful. Thank you, Lord, for ears that hear and eyes that see what the Spirit says to us, to the churches. Help us as a church. Help us as individuals. Help us as leaders in the church. We love you, Lord, and we know that you love us <laughs> beyond measure. And help us to yield. Help us to, to enjoy you more and more. Mashembala <laughs> Frandeli
And someone by the name of Andy, maybe his name is Andrew, Andy, he's 24 years old. And he's been enjoying the mercy of God to some level. But God's going to take him into greater realms of mercy and revelation. And whoever that person is, I believe the Spirit of God has already begun that work in you, Andy. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. You are faithful, working in us, both to will and do of your good pleasure. Holy Spirit, help us. We thank you that you are with us today. You'll never leave us, you will never forsake us. Working in us, both to will and do your good pleasure. We are grateful. We commit the families to your care, children to your care. We yield to you now. The precious blood speaks for us now. Thank you, great King. Thank you, Holy One. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the precious blood. Thank you for the angelic realms. Thank you for the mercies of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We call heaven supply for your people, emotional, physical, material, and financial. Favor and open doors for your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. I believe you had a blessed time. We're going to receive the offering if you would like to give. I thank God for the opportunity. We can do that now. You can either give online or physically if you are able. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we're going to use this as a point of contact for your tithes and any kind of giving. Father, in Jesus' name, here mortal men receive. There he that lives forever receives. We stand here in your place, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Every curse is broken. The destroyer cannot steal in the name of Jesus. Sevenfold restoration of anything that's been stolen, broken or lost. In time, finances, material, emotions, we call in Jesus' name restoration. Thank you, Father, for heavens opened over your people. The earth yielding because you transcend time and space. Your word endures forever. Thank you for the blessing that makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I believe you are blessed. Thank you, Brother Sharath.